And we are continuing on this morning in our series, uh, Richland Exists Through the Lens of Acts of the Apostles, combining, combining our existence statement with the study that we have made through the book of Acts and trying to just figure out, put, put those two things together to say, how do we exist and the principles that we have and the, and the existence statement that we ha- have here at Richland, how do those combine with what we have seen about how the church has been formed and the call that Christ has given to the church? And so we've been walking, walking through this existence statement that Richland exists to magnify Jesus Christ, that we exist for him. He is the ultimate. It's all about Jesus. It's his name that has the power of salvation. That, that early on in, in the book of Acts, in, in chapters 3 and 4, that's what Peter and John, when, when they get arrested, that's what they stand on, is we have to declare his name. There's no other name by which men will be saved. But his name is the power of salvation. Faith in his name. And then we talked about how Richland exists so that people might see the glory of God in the face of Christ. Talking about how Philip came alongside the Ethiopian eunuch and and walked him through Scripture, helped him to see through the Old Testament the promises that God had made. And we talked that day about how we want to see as a church, we want to see that life comes through hearing and understanding the word. How No matter what the depth of our sinfulness, the cross of Jesus is more than enough. We exist so that people might see that no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we serve, no matter how much we try to increase our value to the Father, our only hope comes in the incalculable worth of Jesus Christ. And we exist, we talked last week, so that people might savor the glory of God in the face of Christ. So that people might savor, that they might find something that they love so much, that they delight in so much, that they find joy in so much, that there's nowhere else for them to go. And that we do it together. We talked about last week, out of Acts chapter 2, there's a, a portion of scripture there that talks about how they became devoted following Pentecost, following the Spirit's work in them when the church first joins together, that they became devoted, that they became committed, that they begin to savor together the apostles' teaching, the fellowship of the believers, the breaking of bread and prayers. And so last week we walked through those things that we want to be a church that is committed to the word and to the apostles' teaching, that we want to be a church that's committed to fellowshipping together, that we want to be a church that's committed to focusing on Jesus, breaking bread together, and to praying together. That prayer is to be the engine that drives our church. We walked through those together, and as Pastor Stephen mentioned, part of what we said last week was that we want to do these things together, so much so that we want you to help us to do it together. We want your pictures, as he's already mentioned, to put into a church directory so that we can, all of us, each family, can have a directory that we can look at, that we can flip through, that we can see faces and names together, and that we can pray for, that we can reach out and contact, and that we can walk through this journey together. 
We exist so that people might savor, together savor, the glory of God in the face of Christ. We want to be a church that passionately follows after Jesus together. We want to be a church that wholeheartedly treasures Scripture together. We want to be a church that unashamedly and generously cares for each other and for our communities, and we want to do it together. We want to be a church that prays regularly, specifically, purposefully for each other together. We want to be a church that walks through these things together. And we, we believe that so passionately, so emphatically that we ask you to join us in it. We ask you to join us here weekly on a Sunday morning to, join, to, to, to worship together. But we, even more than that, we ask you to join. We ask you to become a member here at Richland. And last week, we walked through those membership covenants and those affirmations. We want to covenant together with each other to savor the glory of God in the face of Christ together. This morning, what I want to walk, talk about today is that we exist, Richland exists so that people might declare the glory of God in the face of Christ together. That we might declare it. And the passage of scripture that I want us to go back to in the book of Acts is right in the very, very beginning, chapter one. It's the passage that, that really kicks off the book of Acts, it gives us the theme verse for the book of Acts right away in the first chapter. In the very beginning of the book of Acts, if you remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the, the gospels, those are the books of the Bible that we have where Jesus, uh, Jesus is alive, he's from his birth to his death and resurrection, those happen in those first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke, Luke himself writes that portion of the Bible, and then he writes a second book, which we have as the book of Acts, which is the continuation of the church following Jesus' resurrection and, and his ascension, which we find here in chapter 1. So Luke has, has walked through in his gospel, the book of Luke, he's walked through the, the entire Jesus story from, from the birth in Luke chapter 2 all the way to his, to his resurrection at the end of the chapter, at the end of the book. And then we come to Acts. And he picks up with Jesus being resurrected and appearing to hundreds of his followers. He begins to give proofs, gives many proofs to those. And for 40 days he begins to teach, Luke tells us. He began, Jesus begins to teach, and he, he has many teachings on both his earthly and eternal kingdoms. He's telling his disciples about the kingdom of God, both the earthly one and the one that is to come in all of eternity. And the disciples, not just the disciples, but all of the Jews, whether they're believers or not, they are ready. They're ready for this kingdom to come. In fact, that's lots of the strife that has come in this early church is because the Jewish people are ready to overthrow the Roman government. They're ready to have their kingdom reestablished. They're ready to go back to the days where David and Solomon were, were the leaders and they were the, they were the country, they were the peoples that people looked up to. They were the group that was in charge. They were the group but they're no longer that. The Romans have been in charge now. 
And the Jewish people are ready for their kingdom to be reestablished. And all through Jesus' teachings, all through the three years of Jesus' ministry, all the way up to the time that Jesus is crucified, the Jews are waiting, hoping that he is going to rise up and become a political power and reestablish Israel, reestablish the Jews as the rightful leaders and elect people that they believed they were called to be. And so they're ready for their kingdom to be reestablished. And so they come here in verse 6 of chapter 1 of the book of Acts. It's on the screen this morning. You can also read it in your own Bible. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And then while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood before them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The disciples want this kingdom. They've been hearing, they've been hearing Jesus teach about the kingdom of God. They they are they are they are ready for this kingdom. And so they come to Jesus. He's been teaching them for 40 days. They come to Jesus and they say, Lord. Lord, will you at this time, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Is this finally the moment? Are you finally going to rise up? Are you finally going to take charge? Are you finally going to establish yourself as the king? Are you, are you going to restore your kingdom? And Jesus says, there is going to be a kingdom but I'm not going to bring it to fruition at this moment. There will be a kingdom, but it's going to be you, is what he says. Jesus doesn't doesn't mince words. He doesn't tell them, no, there's not going to be a kingdom. The Romans have taken over. There's, this, is, this is as powerful as I am. There's not going to be an eternal kingdom. There's not going to be a reestablishment of my... He doesn't tell them that. He doesn't tell them that. He says, God will be faithful to his promise. There is going to be a kingdom. There will be a kingdom, but... It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. There are some things that you can control. There are some things that you need to know. There are some things that are available for you. But this isn't one of them. You're not going to know. You're not going to know when the kingdom comes, when the kingdom will come. You are not going to know when the season is here. The Father has fixed that by his own authority. But there will be a kingdom. And we've seen pictures of it. John has given us a picture of it 
At the very end, we've talked about it a couple of different times in this series. In Revelation chapter 22, we see, we see the king come. We see that we're gathered around the throne. We see that there's no need for light because the throne is so bright and his name is on our heads. There is a kingdom that is to come. But that's not really part of our business. Instead, he says, there's a lot of things you can't control, but here's something that you can control. And he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, really, as I mentioned, the key verse for all of Acts. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses. He says, there's a lot of things that you can't know that you won't know. There's a lot of information that is not really any of your business. But here's something that you do need to know. You're going to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's to come, at least for the disciples, they, they, don't, they don't even know exactly what that means yet. It's still to come in just a little bit in chapter two. But he says, you're gonna be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be transformed and made new. They don't have any picture yet of what that Holy Spirit coming on them is going to look like. But Jesus is saying to them, you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And when that power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. I shared this with you as we walked through the book of Acts. I shared this with you that, that I, I really think the best picture of that when we talk about being the witnesses for God is the courtroom scene. And if you've seen enough Law and Order or, or Matlock or whatever it is, the, the, the law and, and, and courtroom kind of TV show that you've ever watched, you know the witness comes to the witness stand, sits beside the judge, and then is asked this question. Will you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? That's the picture that I think we should have here of what Jesus is calling the disciples to. You will be my witness. That you and I, as believers, with, as you and I, with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, it is our job to tell the truth about God. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. That we are to be witnesses for him. That what is true about God should be true about his people. And we are not, we are not going to do it perfectly. We are not going to do it in exactly the ways that God would call us and want us to do it in all the time. But we are to tell the truth about God. Things that are true about him should be true about us. He is, he is completely 100% truthful and honest. We should, be, we should be marked by honesty in our life. I share this in, in premarital counseling as I share this idea there too, but I, I, I say to couples 
that, that God is committed to his people. He is, he is a, a, a one-woman man, so to speak. And that we are called to have that same faithful commitment to our spouse, just as, just as the bridegroom is committed to the church, to the bride. All of the things that are true about God need to be true about us so that we can be witnesses. The word witness, the Greek word here for witness is martis, which gives us the word martyr. I think that also tells the story a little bit. That our being witnesses for God, us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth for God doesn't always lead to a great ending. But that sometimes, much like these disciples who are being told this exact quote from Jesus as he stands before them and says, you will be my witnesses, you will be my martyrs. Sometimes it comes to a painful end. Sometimes it's a trial all the way through. But we're called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and all the ways to the ends of the earth. The idea between Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth is, is really just spiraling out circles. That Jerusalem is, is their home spot. It's, it's their local ground. It's their home base. It's the people that they know. It's their families. Judea is, is the area around Jerusalem. Samaria even larger. Still people much like them filled with those that they love and those that they don't. And Jesus says, it's not just here, it's not just going to be people like you, that you like and that you don't, but it's going to be people everywhere to the very ends of the earth. I'm calling you to tell the truth about me, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, to everyone in all places, in all times, I believe. And we here at Richland exist so that we might declare the glory of God in the face of Christ. That we want to declare, just as Jesus has called the disciples to be witnesses here in Acts chapter one, even as Jesus has called these disciples to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, we too want to be witnesses. We want to declare in our Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, our home base, in our families, we exist here at Richland so that we might be committed to being witnesses and declaring the glory of God in our homes and to our families. I want to be a church, I hope that we are a church that is committed to helping families tell the truth about God. That we are, are able to commend God's works from one generation to another, his word tells us. That we are are helping families who are the primary ones responsible for their families, for their children, that we are, are helping parents to declare the glory of God in the face of Christ. We want to partner with moms and dads. We want to strengthen 
your hands as you raise your families. We want to turn hearts of children towards their parents. We don't, we don't want to replace those things. We want to strengthen parents as they lead. We want to help families to declare, to be a witness, to tell the truth about God in their homes. We also know, though, here at Richland, that there are many families who don't know how to fill that role or have already given it up. And so we want to be a church that reaches out. We want to be a church that declares the glory of God in the face of Christ. We want to be a church that tells the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth about our God, and we want to do it all over our area, all over our Jerusalem. So we want to strengthen families, but we want to reach out to those families that have not and are not filling that role. And so we do. We do that, I think, we try hard to do that on Wednesday nights with our clubhouse programs at VBS and Christmas programs and youth events. We use all of those things as doorways for us to declare the truth about God to those that are in our Jerusalem in our communities. We want to continue to be a church that declares the glory of God to those around us. We want to do it as well as we can in our local area. We also, though, want to do it to those that are also a little bit farther out. We want to use every opportunity that we have. We want everyone that, that moves from this church, whether it be a high school student that, that goes off to college or, or a young adult that moves on from being here and moves on to the next thing, whatever, whatever that looks like, we want them to know the truth about God and to be a witness, to declare that truth to those around them. So that as families begin to get started and we begin to spiral farther and farther and farther out of this place, that we tell the truth, that we are a witness to what Jesus has called us to do. We want families as they move from this place, as I said last week as we walked to our membership covenant, we want families as they move from this place to become witnesses in other corners and connect to other bodies that might help them and strengthen them for that task. We want our impact and our influence to spiral more and more out into our world so that Judea and Samaria are also told. We also want to be witnesses outside of our borders. We don't want borders to stop our declaration. We want to go all the way to the very ends of the earth. We want to support those. We want to support those who do, who, who have already made choices and, and worked plans and have already gone to the ends of the earth. We want to, we want to support them. That's one of the reasons why as, at Christmas time we, we gather family cards and we gather gifts to send to our missionaries is that we want to have an intentional we want to have an intentional relationship with those that are going to the ends of the earth and we want to send more. We hope, we pray that God will raise up those who will go to the ends of the earth from our body here at Richland. In fact, we have a fund 
here at the church. We call it our Move Fund. It's a, a missions fund that we have here at the church that we use to support those who want to go on short-term missions experiences. We want to help you. We want to partner with you so that you can go, so that you can be a witness, even in a short-term way, but that that might spur on in you that God might use those things to create in you a desire for even more. We want to be witnesses. We want to declare all the way to the ends of the earth. We here at Richland exist to declare because that's the call that Christ has given to the church. Not just to the church in Acts chapter 1, but all the way to here, to the Richland Church in 2023. We are called to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in Mina, South Dakota, the United States, all the way to the ends of the earth. That is the call that Christ has given to his church. And we know, we know that he's given that. He gave it to the church in the book of Acts. We know that he has given it to us here today in 2023 because of the promise that's made right after, right after that call. We see in there that Jesus then gives that call. He says, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit as it come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, they're looking on, a, he is lifted up, a cloud takes, them, takes him out of their sight. He ascends into heaven. And the disciples gaze up. They're, they're waiting. They're, 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 they have no idea what is to happen. They have no idea how long this stretch is to be. They look with anticipation. They, they stand there waiting like maybe he's going to return any moment. And two men in white robes say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This Jesus is going to come and when he does, that's when the mission has been fulfilled. And until then, the call that was given in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 for us to be witnesses is still the call for the church. It was the call for the disciples even before the Holy Spirit comes on them in chapter 2. And it's the call for you and I as well. We exist to declare. We exist to be witnesses. We exist to tell the truth about God. We exist to declare the glory of God in the face of Christ because that's the call that Christ has given to the church. And it's the call that still exists over us today. And so, we wait and we remember exactly what the disciples would have done in the early church. We wait and we remember. We know that we're strengthened and changed by the power of the Spirit. 
We wait and remember that we're called to be a witness telling the truth about God. We wait and we remember declaring and pointing to his glory. And we wait and we remember knowing it's all made possible through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We remember that it's all through him. And so that's why we gather at these tables. That's why monthly we come together to celebrate in communion together. That's why this morning we'll do that here in just a moment. He's called us to be witnesses, to tell the truth. And so we remember. In just a little bit, the elders are going to come, the worship team is going to come and lead us, the elders are going to come and lead us through You have a communion invitation in your bulletin. It's the same invitation that we use every single month as we gather. I want to invite you to to read through that. We celebrate open communion here at Richland, and if you can live under the invitation that's printed there in in the bulletin, we want you to share in communion with us. The function of how we do it is in just a few moments, the, the worship team will lead us, the elders will direct us, we'll empty out of our pews and come down here to these tables. There's two cups that are stacked together. We invite you to take both of those cups and to carry them back to your seat and then we will partake with those those elements together. We want you to celebrate with us this morning. We hope that you remember with us and we hope that you will join us in the mission to declare the glory of God in the face of Christ. The worship team is going to come The elders are going to come and lead us in communion. Take a moment to prepare your hearts as they come. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood who fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood and never till my dying breath will I forget that look it seemed to charge me with his death though not a word he My conscience felt and known the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. But with a second look he said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for your ransom I died that you might live Forever etched upon my mind Is the work of him who died The Lamb I crucified And now my life will sing 
the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my place. Thus while his death my sin displays for all the world to view, such is the mystery of grace it seals my pardon too with pleasing grief and mournful joy my spirit now is filled that i should such a life destroy yet live by him i upon my mind is the look of him who died the lamb I crucified and now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my upon my mind is the look of him who died the lamb I crucified and now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my place represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you. Take and eat and be grateful. And this represents the blood that was shed for your sins. Again, take and drink and be grateful for his sacrifice. Will you stand with me this morning as I give the benediction coming from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let us declare, he who is blessed and only sovereign, and King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Thank you for coming.